Hold on to those afterburners, Fire Nation. JLD here, and welcome to episode 1630 of EO Fire, where I chat with today's most inspiring entrepreneurs seven days a week. Knock over that domino, Fire Nation. Start your chain reaction of awesome with thefreedomjournal.com. Now let's chat with today's featured guest, Joe Polizzi. Joe, are you prepared to ignite... If I was not prepared, sir, I wouldn't be out there. <laughs> I love it. Joe is the founder of the Content Marketing Institute and co-founder of the Orange Effect Foundation, providing resources to children with speech therapy needs. Joe, take a minute, fill in some gaps from that intro and give us just a little glimpse of your personal life. I became an entrepreneur in 2007, so I'm going, I'm almost ready to celebrate 10 years. Wow, decade. It is amazing. I've been 20 years in publishing, uh, 20 years in the content marketing industry, and I just love seeing all those changes. And And as I'm sure we'll talk about, it's it's been a great ride. I had an exit this year with my business, uh, actually six months ago. And, uh, you know, it's it's interesting when you hit your goals, you kind of your your look on life, and, and especially as an entrepreneur changes. And I think that's what I'm in the middle of right now. Well, I'm excited because, you know, I've been really with you on this journey, so to speak. I mean, I'm looking back over my career with EO Fire. You were episode 71, brother. Then you were episode 341. Then I brought you back on for 1159, and we had a quick back-to-back because you had something pretty cool going on. So we brought you back for 1191. And now here we are for number five, which is 1630. So... Oh my gosh. We've had some good chats over <laughs> the years, my friends. Believe. You know, you've invited me to speak at your conference, which we're going to be talking about in a little bit here. And I've got to, you know, that was my first time ever in, in Cleveland. Have you been back since? I haven't, but not because I didn't enjoy it. I loved it. It was a great time. You put on a great conference. Well, but- I'm inviting you back. Yes. You, are, you have an open invitation. And you know, if you want to speak, I mean, you've got an open invitation at the event. It's just. You know, you're so busy with all this stuff. You got like 18 projects going on at the same time. <laughs> I don't know if we can pitch you in. I always Steve. love, I always love the invites, though. I was kind of angling for it, so thank you for that. And Joe, before we kind of dive into what has been going on in your world, because there has been a lot, break down for us right now, today, here in 2017, as we're speaking, what you consider your area of expertise currently. There's probably not a lot of people you can find out there that that's been in the content marketing industry as long as I have. And if we think about content marketing, my whole thing and I wrote and, you know, I wrote the book Content Inc. two years ago. And I really do believe this. And especially since your audience, um, you know, a bunch of motivated entrepreneurs, I really believe the best way to start a business is to build an audience first and then launch products and services on the back of that. Obviously, there's no better example than Entrepreneur on Fire out there. Uh, And and obviously, you were interviewed for the book, and you're in the book. And I see so many entrepreneurs, as you do, out there struggling and trying to find their way, and they believe with with everything in their being that they have the best product or service out there, but it's it's a struggle for them to get moving. And I look at them, and I talk to them, and, and I do a lot of speaking to entrepreneurs, and I say, look, Take some of the pressure off yourself. Let's not focus and fall in love with your product and service. Let's fall in love with your audience. And if we fall in love with our audience and we focus on that, we can start to build that loyal relationship with them, whatever the content is. In your case, it's podcasts. In our case, we started with blogging, with the written word. Doesn't matter. Focus on that. Build that audience. And they will tell you what they want to buy. 
And they did in your case. They did in our case. They did in the hundreds of examples that we've covered in the book. And I just wish that more entrepreneurs would see that path. And But it, it's not a natural thing. I mean, that's not how we normally start businesses. But I think if you are an entrepreneur today, make it easy on yourself. So is there an easier way to do this? And I think that's the way to go. And and uh, I just wish more entrepreneurs would would see that. Let's give one quick tip. I mean, you've done this throughout your career. I've done this throughout my career. Content marketing is truly king. What's one thing that a listener right now, Fire Nation, can do if they're like, I get it. I believe Joe. I believe John. What can I do today? Well, simplify the strategy. I mean, when you see uh, businesses of any size, entrepreneurs, they, they go out there, oh, we're going to create content. We're going to do blogs and podcasts and videos, and we're going to spread them out on all these channels. Actually, John, not a winning formula. No. That doesn't actually work. What works is, is what you did and what I did and what many of our friends did. You focus on, when you start, you focus on one content type. Is it audio? Is it video? Is it textual plus image? One platform, like for you, it was iTunes. For me, it was my blog or website. For Matthew Patrick or Matt Pat over at YouTube, it was YouTube. So then one platform. You consistently deliver. Of course, you're the king of consistency. <laughs> you, you, you post your podcast every day. We have a blog post every day. Find your consistency is more important than frequency. So find whatever you can be great at consistently and do that every day. So if you say, I'm going to do a blog, textual content on my own blog or website, you're going to blog two times a week. Okay, you're going to blog Tuesday at 9 a.m. Eastern time and Thursday at 9 a.m. Eastern time, and you're going to commit to that for the next year. Whatever that is, you do that consistently, and then you have to be patient. So those three things plus patience. And you, I, I mean, I think when we talked about in the book, you it took you about nine months to get yeah. things moving and, and to monetize that. For, for me, it was 24 months. Now, it doesn't happen overnight because it takes a while to build a loyal relationship. But those are the four ingredients we found. So it's it's pick your content type, choose that, pick your channel, consistently deliver over time, forget everything else. You don't have to be on 10 social channels. You don't have to do everything there is on the planet from a content creation standpoint. You just have to focus on what you do really well to the audience that you're talking to. And that's the secret. It's not rocket science. Just do that. <laughs> And if you do that and we just get all we get preoccupied with all these other opportunities and there are many of them and many distractions, but we don't have to take the bait for that. We can actually focus on solving our customers problems every day in a very specific way. I love this strategy, Fire Nation, and I want to say a word right now that's an acronym, KISS. Keep it super simple. That's that's truly it. Come up with a way to deliver free, valuable and consistent content. And then just, just do that. Rinse and repeat. Build up an audience that knows, likes, and trusts you. Ask them, what are you struggling with? They'll tell you their pain points, obstacles, challenges, struggles. You respond with a solution for them in the form of a product, a service, an ebook, whatever that might be. Now, Joe, one thing that a lot of people can do is build something. They can build a company that's either successful or unsuccessful. They can, build, they can create a podcast. They can launch a website. They can do all these different things. But you don't hear a lot of success stories of people exiting, of people selling, of people being able to actually say, you know what, I built something that's worth enough that someone's going to pay me real money so that I can, you know, walk away or, you know, glide away as I kind of work my way out and, <laughs> and kind of like, you know, just continue to advise whatever as I'm doing my thing. You successfully sold Content Marketing World, which is an incredibly successful yearly conference in Cleveland. And you also sold Content Marketing Institute 
you. So talk to us right now. Take the stage for a little while and tell us about the origin story of those two things, how you grew both, and then how and why you sold. Thank you, first of all, because <laughs> it was a, you know, it was a lifelong goal. As an entrepreneur, when I started and I wrote down my goals initially, I had that goal on my notepad and I reviewed it every day that I have sold my company. I always say it and, you know, say your goals in the present tense. I have sold the company for X amount of money. And I read that every day. So when I started the company at what is now Content Marketing Institute in 2007, um, it's just, you know, thinking about it, I still get a smile on my face so that we were actually able to go through that uh, process and make it work. So started, you know, April 2nd, 2007 as an entrepreneur and started, um, multiple ideas as most entrepreneurs do, because I'm trying, Oh, Hey, I'm really excited about starting a company and I can do this and I can do that. And from 2007 and, and basically the, the initial idea was we were going to be a matching service for content marketers and uh, agencies. So agencies that provided content marketing services, content creation services, we would match them up with brands that needed that service. And it actually was somewhat successful. We ended up, ended up matching a thousand um, brands over a two a year period wow. of time. And it was we a couple multi-million dollar accounts. Not that we got that money, but we matched up a couple multi-million dollar deals out of that. And we were making some progress. Uh, and in 2009, unfortunately, um, had one of these horror stories happen where I'm trying to re-up the agencies back into the program. It was basically a subscription program where agencies had to sign up and then they had 12 months into the business. And one of, in our best case study that we landed a multi-million dollar project for didn't re-up into the system. And I'm like, oh, there must be some kind of mistake. What's going on here? So I called the CEO of the company up and I said, hey, you're not in the system. Your credit card's not active. I want to just call up and you know get that active and, and just put that to bed. And she said, I'll never forget this whole conversation. She said, you know, I, I you know, you're doing great stuff, Joe, but I, I think we're going to put our money somewhere else and, and we can get better return on investment uh, other ways. And I just sat back and I'm like, well, I just delivered you like a thousand percent ROI off of your investment last year. I don't think I can do better than that. Uh, if you have better ideas, I want to know about them because I'm going to invest in them. Right. Like, what what are you talking about? She said, no, I'm, I'm, I'm done. And I get off the phone. Of course, I'm dejected. I feel totally sorry for myself. I feel like I'm a complete failure because I'm, I'm like, oh, my God, you know, two years ago, I left a very well paying job with benefits and I had two small kids and I'm like, this is terrible because the, the two years from launching the business. So this is 2009. We're bleeding cash. I'm putting a lot of money into uh, into trying to build the product online. And then I get this call and I walk outside, John, and I'm like this. I'm done. Ugh. This is it. I've, I've got to go. And I literally for the next two weeks, I'm thinking about what job I need to go take. Like, who should I call? I should work my network a little bit. Go back, get the job. Uh, it just completely sorry for myself because this is just a horrible thing. When your best case study doesn't re-up, you got a problem, right? Big time. And then I, I just took some time and tried to reevaluate what's going on. And, and over the next, let's say, month, uh, six weeks, I realized a couple things. First of all, I was working on three startups at the same time. And I had a call over that time with one of my mentors, Jim McDermott. And Jim said, how are you going to be great for your customers when you're going in three different directions? Mm. And that really hit home. 
It's like, Joe, you can't be great. You can't have a great company if you're going every which way. And I and I was under the belief of starting multiple startups in order to diversify and increase my chances of success. That's what I thought. But that's actually not true. You actually dilute success by going to those three. And I had to make the decision to say, okay, where is the best opportunity? Where's my passion? Where, where am I going to go? And so over that six-week period, I decided I'm going to just do one thing, which became Content Marketing Institute. And what I realized was, oh my gosh. So a couple of things. I, I, sold the, uh, I sold one of the startups. And it wasn't a lot of money, but I sold one. Great. Get that off my plate. The other two I combined into one, which was Content Marketing Institute. And all I realized, John, and this is the this is the whole key. This is what I believe right now as an entrepreneur. I said, OK, if we we started to build an audience because over the last two years we were building a blog and we were building an email newsletter and they were counting on us for, for daily information. I said, what if we went all in with that? What if every day, every minute of every day we solved the problems of marketers around this approach of content marketing? What if we did that? And then what if we if we did that really well, we could actually, you know, didn't know when, but we could launch an event, an event which became Content Marketing World. And if we did that really well, we could launch a magazine, which became Chief Content Officer Magazine. And if we did that really well, we could launch a whole content platform, a destination, which became contentmarketinginstitute.com. So in May, so take that, that's the end of 2009. And in May of 2010, is May 4th, 2010. We officially launched contentmarketinginstitute.com. And I got to tell you, John, it took off right away. And thank goodness, because I had no money left. And we pre-sold uh, benefactors, basically sponsors into the system because I didn't have enough money to support it. So I went out to my partners. I said, this is what we're doing. This is it. This is really going to happen. But we're going to provide content and solutions for our customers that they really need that nobody else is providing. Was able to get some upfront money to keep that going. And then that was May 2010, and Content Marketing World was born in September of 2011. And then I'll end here, but I just want to uh, say that we were expecting. So September of 2010, we first started planning for Content Marketing World because there was no big event for content marketing. And I said, okay, can we actually get 100 to 150 people to Cleveland? for content marketing world. Is this, is this possible? And I'm like, I don't know, but we're going <laughs> to, we're going to give it a shot. I think we could do it. We could get, maybe we'll get a hundred, 150 there. I remember reserving the room. It was at the Renaissance hotel in Cleveland, Ohio. And I'm like, we got the room reserved. We're good. Started selling sponsorships, started promoting the event. So a year later, 660 people wow. showed up to the event. And this year in 2017, we'll have over 4,000 from 70 countries so at big. the event. And that's just, so that's the whole story. I don't know if you wanted the whole story. I did. That's the whole story, man. This is a story that needs to be heard, Joe, and Fire Nation. I really, really hope you're absorbing that because I get the emails every single day from people saying, John, like, you know, I hear you say niche down, but I'm afraid if I do, I'm going to just leave so much on the table. And, you know, what about all these people that I could potentially be marketing to or could be my potential clients that won't be now because I'm niching down out of their area? And I'm just like, listen, this is not a life sentence. Like you're not putting yourself in solitary prison when you niche down. What you need to do is find that one thing that you can do better than anybody else. You know, for That's me, it. it was a daily podcast. For Joe, it was daily content on his blog. 
one thing that you can do better than anybody else, dominate that, and then you heard what Joe expanded into after he got that momentum, the conference, the magazine, everything happened because you got that initial momentum. So stop freaking out, Fire Nation. Go down to the lowest common denominator. Find how you can get that initial momentum, get that ball rolling, and then as you find success, you can expand out into other areas step by step by step. And Joe, I kind of want to move into the specific exit now, but Fire Nation, that's a little bit of a cliffhanger because we're going to take a quick minute first to thank our sponsors. Being an online business owner, you know that word of mouth is huge. When your customers are happy with their experience, they'll talk to their friends about it. So what if there's a way to boost word of mouth? This is where Referral Candy shines. Referral Candy helps online businesses set up referral programs to help boost word of mouth. All you have to do is add a Refer a Friend program to your store and start rewarding your customers for telling their friends about your business. But let's say your business already gets word of mouth sales. Well, then setting up a referral program to get even more is a no-brainer. Great Footwear, who is a Referral Candy customer, is seeing 20 times ROI, and the best part of Referral Candy is a set-it-and-forget-it service with no technical setup required, plus they're offering Fire Nation a $50 credit to try it out. Visit referralcandy.com slash fire to get your credit today. That's referralcandy.com slash fire. Design projects can be tricky. Building and establishing your brand, it's hard work. And if you're not a designer, then it can be very time-consuming and costly to get great design work done. That's why there's Design Crowd. Rather than paying expensive fees and waiting weeks for an agency to pitch an idea or create a great-looking logo for you, you can have what you need within days. All you have to do is launch your brief, then designers will begin submitting quality designs for your review. Within hours, you'll receive your first design, and over the course of several days, a typical project will receive 60 to 100-plus different designs to choose from. All that's left to do is pick the best design and approve payment to the designer. Visit designcrowd.com slash fire. That's D-E-S-I-G-N-C-R-O-W-D.com slash fire for a special $100 VIP offer or simply enter the discount code fire when posting your project on Design Crowd. So Joe, we're back and you built Content Marketing Institute and Content Marketing World into really a global phenomenon. And it got to the point where you're like, you know what, this is worth something. I mean, obviously it was always worth something, but this is worth something to somebody else. How did you first start going down the road of I'm going to sell this? I mean, I know this was, you know, a potential idea and goal from day one, but when did it really dawn on you that like this is going to happen? And then how did that courting look like? I will go through that story, but I have to tell you sure. that when I wrote out my goals in 2007, when I launched the company, this was a goal yeah. that I looked at every day. That's what I think is missing from a lot of entrepreneurs. And I, I actually just did a seminar for entrepreneurs about 60, 60, 70 days ago. And I talked about exit strategy. And I asked how many of you have an exit plan? And like two people of the 50 raised their hand. And I said, that's got to stop right now. Like if you are an entrepreneur, you need to have some kind of an exit plan. That exit plan might change, but you need to have something right now because you know what happens if you don't have an exit plan? It's decided for you. Right. You either die with the company, unfortunately, or it you get into a situation where you lose control some way or whatever it is. 
let's make a decision that you have some control over. And, and that that was, I think, the key, John, is actually having that written out. I had a um, number that was in my that were in my goals that I had and focused on that. So that made it a little bit easier because in I would say in 2014, I started to actually come close to what I believe the valuation was that I set in my goals seven years before. I wanted to do it in five years. The initial goal was to sell the company for X amount in five years. I didn't make that because that would have been 2012. Got to 2014 and I'm like, you know, I'm doing the numbers. And you and I talked a little bit about this on on Facebook as we were looking about a valuation article. It was actually EO Fire being valuated. (laughs) That's right. It's so interesting because I read the whole thing. And, and I mean, I've been in the media industry for, as I said, for 20 years now, and I've looked at a lot of companies and I've valued a lot of companies. And for the most part, I mean, depending on which area you're coming from, but the most part it's, it's valued on earnings. Yeah. So the earnings that you have, and there's a multiple to that and generally an, a digital media and event company is anywhere between seven and nine times earnings. So depending on where you're at, just take your earnings number. Multiply it by seven or nine, and that's what you're worth. Now, are those gross earnings or are those after all expense earnings? That's before. That's that's before. Uh, uh, that's basically EBITDA before taxes, Got appreciation it. before all that stuff. So basically, all take your revenue minus all your hard costs against that revenue, and that's the number that you have. And your you know your salaries and all that kind of stuff. Right. And and actually, when you do it, you want to put in. I know a lot of entrepreneurs don't take a salary, but you want to put in some kind of salary for you. And you should start taking a salary when you get to this point because they're going to market against you anyways. Um, so because they're going to look at, okay, well, if I have to have somebody replace you, let's say somebody buys Entrepreneur on Fire, John, they're going to say, well, John, you didn't take a salary or you didn't, you took, you're taking 70,000 when you should be taking 200,000. Right. And because that's what it would, that's what it would take to replace you. So look at your replacement value. And that's what you want to put in because somebody else is going to have to replace you at some point because I'm under the assumption if you're an entrepreneur <laughs> and you're looking at selling, you're not going to stay with it the rest of your life right. because you probably don't want to stay with the company because you've got that entrepreneurial side of you and it'll probably kill you to stay with a corporate side for the next five to 10 years. But anyways, I got to 2014, looked at the valuation, said we're getting to this point and actually hired, a, uh, I didn't didn't go with a bank initially. I hired somebody that used to work with a bank and used to be a chief, mar- uh, chief financial officer for another media company that did this on the side to consult with me to get my books in order, to look at, okay, well, how am I, uh, uh, what, what do the numbers really look like? What do they need to look like? Where do I, what do I need to clean up? And I, that did that for the next year. So from 2014 to 2015, John, I just looked at getting everything in order because what happens is when you start to approach somebody, you'll probably approach a bigger company of some kind, probably a global company that's going to buy you, and they will take you through the depths of hell with your numbers, and you have to be prepared for that. And that was, that was a difficult – I'll get to that in a second. But basically, so I had, had the chief financial officer that we hired to work with us, money well spent, so that when we went out with uh, with basically – Going to the, we went directly to a, a number of companies that we thought would be interested in the business, and those are relationships that I built over the years because it was part of my goals. So I would reach out to them and keep in touch and find the right person. So that in 2015, which was the which was the year we went out and we actually said, uh, Content Marketing Institute is for sale, and would you be interested? Please keep this uh, confidential, and would you sign this NDA so that you could 
be a part of this process. And we had a number of companies that signed that and they asked for the full financials. We gave them the full financials. And then from that, we set up meetings. So those people that wanted to take the next step, we met in person. I did a presentation, my little dog and pony show. They asked questions about the business. And then from that meeting, we were given um, an offer, basically a, a, a letter of intent that they were interested in uh, purchasing the business. And we had a couple businesses do that. And then we went a little back and forth and there was a negotiation and got to the point where, okay, I decided on one that made the most sense. And then that one where we signed uh, basically an, an initial agreement to start, not to sell the company, but to go through and just work one-on-one -on -one with each other. And we did that. And that took about six months, John. And that's where it was difficult. Like that's where you have to prepare yourself because they basically, they're trying to tear the company apart because they're looking to get it for the, the least value, you know, least valuation possible. And you're trying to sell it for the most. So that's where I can't tell you how important it was to spend that year to get our books in order. Because right. if we wouldn't have done that, I probably would have dropped out of the process. It would have been too stressful. But I actually had the numbers in a, in a decent enough shape, never good enough, but in decent enough shape where we could go through. And we came to a point where we're going to agree on the business. I, I do. I don't know if we have time, but I have one more thing that I need to share on that, John. I think it's critical. We for got your time, brother. Listener. This is huge. Okay. Let's hear it. The, so, so two weeks before, so everything's done. So just, we went through the process. We have the company. It's a global company um, that I feel that the right fit. And two weeks before I get, I'm getting cold feet and I'm like, this doesn't feel right. My gut, I'm always following my gut. Doesn't feel like the right decision. Um, I think I'm going to back out. So I, I talked to my uh, attorney. I talked to my accountant. I talked to um, my wife, who's also my business partner, and I said, I think that we should say no and not go through with this because I didn't like some of the initial uh, changes that the new business was going to make, the, the, the people that were going to buy us. And they all said, Joe, I mean, hey, it's your call. You know, what, if you don't feel right about it, don't do it. So basically, I was 98% sure I wasn't going to do it. But my wife said, look, before you, this is a big decision, Joe. Yeah, huge. Before you go ahead and, and not sell the company, why don't you go talk to all your mentors? Go around, tell them your situation, and just get a gut check. I said, that's a great idea. So I set up my two appointments with my two mentors, which is critical. Everybody should have mentors they talk to on a regular basis. So I called my one mentor, Scott, in Boston. I texted him. I said, Scott, I need five minutes. And he's a he's a big venture capitalist and he pulls himself out of the meeting. I'm so nice. He says, Joe, what's up? Tell me what's going on. I said, I need five minutes. I said, here's where we're at. I told him the situation in the company. I said, I don't feel like some of the changes are making her good. And I, I think that I'm going to back out. I think it's the right decision. What do you think? And I'm thinking, John, that he's going to back me. He's going to say, <laughs> absolutely, Joe, you're right. This is not you always go with your gut. He says. I'll never forget this. He says, Joe, he says, I want you to do something for me. One thing. I said, what, Scott? I'll do, do whatever you want. <laughs> he says, take your head out of your ass. <laughs> Just one and get, thing. <laughs> and get the deal done. I said, what? He says, Joe, this is a transaction. You're making this emotional. He said, of course, the new company's coming in, going to make changes. They need to. They're a large company. They need to look how it's going to feel. They're not. A, it's not always going to jive with what you're trying to do. I said, this is he said, basically, what is your hang up? And I said, my hang up 
are three things. And there are three specific things. And, and I, he says, well, if those three things were were addressed, would you go through with it? I said, yeah, I think so. He says, well, he says, don't back out now. Negotiate through those things. He said, if you're willing to walk away right now, they put hundreds of thousands of dollars into this. If you're willing to walk away right now, then go forward with those. Go negotiate against those. Are you able to share any or all of those things? There are two I can share. One was my time. My time left with the company was one. The second one was I wanted my employees to be taken care of while I was while I was there. And and so there were specific changes that they wanted to make and I was concerned about them. So we got that taken care of and there was another issue that was on the table. So but those were the big things. And I tell you what, John, and so basically I went through, I said, here's what I need to, to have this deal done. I need to have this. And they were, of course, already well into the deal. I mean, they, this was a done deal to them. And I'm coming back saying, I need these things negotiated through them. Two weeks later, signed on the dotted line, sold the business and did it. But I'll never forget that. It's so critical because I did, I got emotional with it. And he said, Joe, it's, it's a really easy mistake because this is your baby, but you have to have your come to Jesus moment and realize that this is just a transaction. You have a lot of things you want to accomplish. This will get you every, every to everywhere and more that you, where you want to go, where you, who you want to be. It has been your goal for the last nine years. Don't stop, uh, you know, your ego and your pride from getting in the way of that. And I can't thank my mentors enough for basically standing up to me. And that's why you have mentors, right? That's standing it. Standing up and saying, do it, did it, sold the business, haven't had one second of regret since then. And I'm so excited uh, about the new path forward uh, that I've got for my, not only myself, but my family. And it's just, it's been, a, it's been a great ride. Fire Nation, you have to have mentors, people who have been where you want to be or are currently where you want to be. They, they've been down that road. They've had the ups, they've had the downs, they've had the experiences that you can learn from. And Joe, in like the last you know few minutes that we have here, because I do want to get to the new goal that you're going to be rocking coming this January 1st. But let's kind of button up this section right here. Like for Fire Nation listening, like how do you want to kind of close up the the exit part of our chat? If for people that are saying, you know, I want to start sure. a business that's going to exit at some point, what do we need to know? It's interesting. I've been, and I told you about this, I've been really into Tim Ferriss' new book, Tools of Titans. <sighs> By the way, do not read that book at night, Fire Nation. I had like three nights of kind of like insomnia or I never have a hard time falling asleep. And then I realized <laughs> it's because I was reading Tools of Titans in bed before I was going to sleep or trying to go to sleep. And that book was firing me up. It was getting all of my cylinders going. I was like writing down massive notes and I'm like, where's a, fi- I need a fiction book. Like I can't have this anymore. I, know, like, I can't terrible. read this. Like I can't even read this. It's like a caffeine curfew for me now. I can't read that book past 5 PM. It's such, and I've got the notepad right now. I mean, I take notes <laughs> like crazy in it, but the one part that I really love is his interview with Derek Sivers, Yeah, which is, it's a great, it's probably the best section in my opinion. And the first question, so let's go to exit strategy. The first question, and if you take Derek Sivers comments in the, in the book is why are you starting a company? Like, really, you don't have to start a company. You don't have to do what I did or John did. You, like, why are you actually starting the company? And that will get you to think about if you start a company, what's the goal? What is the ultimate goal? What do you want to see? So that's why I think that right now you have to start. You don't have to get it right 100% right now, but start thinking about, okay, what does an exit strategy look like? And it's probably not your kids are going to take over the business, right? It's probably like, 
I would like to exit this way. This is the this is the amount of money that I want to get to. And then you start thinking about, okay, well, what do I have to do to get to that point? Because I got to tell you, John, if I didn't read that goal every day, I probably wouldn't have made certain decisions, profitable decisions for the business to get me to that point. Because I started to look through that lens. Every, okay, should we do that thing? Mm. Well, is it good for me? Is it good for my family? Is it good for the business? Is it good for that ultimate goal? Because we could have launched a lot of things that would have been time sucks that wouldn't have been good for the overall business to get me to that goal of exiting the way that I wanted to exit. So I would just, that's the, that's the way that I would leave it is if you don't have an exit strategy, you have to sit down and say, well, why am I, why have I started this company in the first place? And then you start to get to the point of what will it take for me to exit out of that company that I'll be happy with for the rest of my life. So Joe, we just spent some time going over your past almost decade now of life as an entrepreneur and what you've built and now what you've sold and exited. What's next? I mean, January 1st, you have this new goal that you're trying to hit. What's the deal with this? When you sell your company, your perspective changes. Totally. Um, so I've got, I've got two kids, 13 and 15, two boys. And, and I'm starting to look at now, okay, I've got four or so years left with them uh, before things really change. And yeah. I actually read another book recently that said, maybe it was in Tools of Titan, I can't remember, but it basically said that when when your kids leave for high school, leave for college, I'm sorry, from high school, you have spent 93% of your total time with them. That was from Wait But Why. Oh, thank you. Thank, very good. Yes. I get all these uh, th great <laughs> things all mixed up. It's a blog, Fire but, Nation. It's actually you, really, I actually kind of cried a little bit when I heard that. I'm like, oh, no, my God. mom, I love you. So basically, I got, you know, I don't have a lot of time right. left with them. My, so my goal, my new goal is on January 1st of 2018 to have nothing, to have to wake up and not have to take a meeting, not have to do anything for the business, uh, not have to focus on anything except, well, I got these two beautiful, amazing kids and I'm going to maximize that time with them, whatever it's going to take. Now, I got to tell you this, John, I don't know how, I don't know how long that's going to last right. because I've already got 17 startup ideas that I've written down in my <laughs> journal. But I'm, and that's my problem is I always, I'm a starter. I mean, I want to start things. I want to do it. I want, I'm excited about that. I listen to your show. I get all pumped up. I want to start 18 businesses, yes. but you got, <laughs> right now I'm at the point where I could do all those things, but I want to make sure that the most important thing I got right now are the the two kids in my house and my family, and I want to focus on that. And I think if I do that, and if I, if I get everything set where I don't have any obligations on January 1st, so I'm thinking about like, like Tim Ferriss did with his startup vacation. I'm thinking about things right now. So the next six months I'm going through, and maybe I'll take a public speaking vacation. Yeah. Maybe I'll take a writing vacation. Uh, I'm actually really I'm, I'm into this thing about learning how to pay, play the piano and I'm trying to figure out, OK, you know, how do you, how do I do it in six months and do it faster? Like, you know, this this thing, the things that you get motivated from from Tim Ferriss that he'll, he'll tell you, <laughs> yeah. OK, well, well, hey, don't wait two years. How do you do it in three weeks? You know, that kind of thing I'm thinking about. But really, um, you know, to January 1st, 2018 is, is to wipe that slate clean so that I can get to the point that Derek Sivers talks about. So when an opportunity comes, it's either a heck yes or a hell yes or it's a no. Because now I really do believe that when you're young and you don't have all those opportunities, you say yes to everything. And I did say yes, take every opportunity you can. But when you see success, then you need to get to a point where if it's not a hell yes, it's a no. And that's where I'm at right now.
Well, I'm excited to have you back on the show June 1st of 2018, just to see what those first six months have been like with the slate wiped clean. Because again, I know that you're going to maximize the time with your kids and that's going to be great. But I'm kind of curious as to which one of those 17, or probably by that time, it'll be 77 great (laughs) startup ideas has really taken a hold of you and uh, see where you're off to. So that'll be cool. You know, if you have, hey, if you have some free time, by the way, come on down to Puerto Rico. I'll show you around. We'll go cliff diving, snorkeling, scuba diving, you name it, brother. We'll we'll, we'll keep you busy down there. Oh my gosh, that's a great offer, my friend. Don't (laughs) don't throw that out in front of me unless you meet it. It is genuine. (laughs) You brought me to Cleveland. Allow me to bring you to Puerto Rico. I don't know if you could... uh, compare those two, but uh, thank you for that. <laughs> so listen, Joe, we got to wrap up here. So why don't you kind of give us the best place that Fire Nation can follow your life ramblings right now, and then we'll say goodbye. Yeah. So basically I'm, I, I'm still full-time contentmarketinginstitute.com. I still blog on a regular basis. You know, my podcast is This Old Marketing. Yeah. You can find on iTunes and Stitcher with my with my great host, uh, co-host uh, Robert Rose. We didn't talk about it much, but you know, theorangeeffect.org. That's our foundation, Orange Effect Foundation, where we fundraise and we we get money for families who really have kids with speech disorders that really need speech and play therapy. I'm really into that right now. Uh, My wife has taken over that full time and she's doing a fantastic job with it. So theorangeeffect.org is where you can find information on that. And then on Twitter, I'm uh, Matt Joe Polizzi. You can find my books at joepolizzi.com. My last book is Content-Inc. And my latest book called Marketing Profit will be out in September of 2017. Still cranking, still working. And Fire Nation, you are the average of the five people you spend the most time with. And once again, for the fifth time, you've been hanging out with JP and JLD today. So keep up the heat and head over to eofire.com. And if you type Joe in the search bar, not just this episode, but all five episodes will pop right up. You can check them all out one after the other. They're all great chats, great interviews. And of course, if you are interested in speech therapy or know somebody who is, theorangeeffect.org. Check it out. It is wonderful. And of course, joepolizzi.com is the headquarters, the HQ for JP. So Joe, thank you for sharing your journey with Fire Nation today. For that, we salute you and we'll catch you on the flip side. Hey, Fire Nation. Hope you enjoyed our chat with Joe today. And productivity, discipline, and focus are my three greatest strengths, and they can be yours too. Just visit themasteryjournal.com. Master all three skills in 100 days, and I will catch you there, or I'll catch you on the flip side.